We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, what is going on, everybody? What's up? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of the future award-winning Talk of Buffalo podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. You can find me on Twitter, at Pat Moran Tweets. Thank you very, very much for locking in today. Coming up in just a couple of minutes, I'm going to have my man, recurring guest, good buddy of mine, Joe from Queens, at Buffalo Wins on Twitter. And we're going to talk about some fallout from Sunday's game. We're not really going to break the game down. It's long past that point here, middle of the week. But we're going to talk about some of the fallout from that game. Some fan reaction, some media reaction. And I'll tell you what, here's the theme for today, folks. When things, especially early in the season, happen, we tend to overreact. If the Buffalo Bills come out and they play great, well, anoint them now. This team's going to the Super Bowl. Josh Allen's the greatest quarterback in the world. This defense is unbelievable. The Bills come out, they play like shit. We tend to overreact as well. The sky's falling. This team's overrated. They're not as good as everybody said they're going to be. Those are overreactions, and most of us hate them. Very fair point. That said, I don't think we should be underreacting to this game either. No, the sky's not falling. No, this team does not stink. No, Josh Allen is not overrated. No, he wasn't a fluke last year. Okay, let's not underreact either. Okay, the sky's not falling. But there's some reasons to be concerned based on what we saw Sunday. There's some trends, some things that we saw that could linger this year. We need to talk about that today. That's what we're going to do, man. And I'll tell you what, whether you love him, whether you hate him, and if you're on Twitter, you probably hate him, but... My man, Joe, if nothing else, I'm going to give him credit for one thing. Joe's not one to pull punches. Joe's not one to mince his words. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing what he thinks and what he has to say about this game on Sunday and some of his reactions about this team right now and what he expects going forward. Anyway, so I'm going to have Joe on in just a minute. Real quick, before that, though, I just need like two minutes to to get this out. I want to get something out, folks. I've been here now, back in Buffalo, since early July, and I'm going to be completely and utterly honest with you. I've wavered. I don't like to admit it, but I've wavered. I spent five years, a little more than five years in Florida, came back home where I spent my entire life previously to moving to Florida, here in Buffalo, early July, and I've kind of wavered a little bit. I've been uh, 
little bit torn. I, I don't know why. I don't know why, but for whatever reason, I haven't quite, quite felt like I'm back home yet. Hadn't felt that way. And it's, I don't know. I mean, I do miss Florida in some respects. I, I grew to like a lot of people down there. And it's not, I don't think one place is better. I don't think Florida's better than Buffalo. I don't think Florida's worse than Buffalo. I just think it's very different. And it depends on, I guess, on what your perspective, what your taste, and what you're looking for out of life. That would be the the only fair way to compare two vastly different places like Sarasota, Florida, to, to Buffalo, New York, to Western New York. But anyway, I've been wavering. I'm going to be honest with you. And I'm also going to be honest with you without having to really get into details. This has been a, a pretty rough and, and shitty summer for me personally, man. This is, it's been tough. And again, I don't really need to get into details. That's not anyone's concern. That's, that's my issues. But it's been, it's been hard at times, okay? I'm just, again, being honest with you, man. And I've wavered and I've wondered, is this still home to me? And that might sound stupid to you, but that's the way I felt. I'm just being honest with you. I needed something, a sign, I don't know, something to like feel like, man, you did the right thing. You're back home where you belong, and this is where you belong. I needed that. And I think I finally got it this weekend. And don't get me wrong, before this weekend, I've had times, moments with good friends of mine, old friends, new friends, where I have felt great. I've had great nights. I've had great times, but I still was kind of missing that little bit, that little bit of home feeling. And I got it this weekend and I needed it so bad, man. So Saturday and this past week with the Bills opener, there was a lot of social events going on, a lot of uh, official parties, like some groups were throwing parties. I know there was something at Soho last Friday and I couldn't make any of that stuff. But Saturday, I got an opportunity. There was a roller skating party for charity and it was put on. I want to make sure I get this right. It was Bills Mafia Babes, Poncho's Army, and, and Jay Spence the King. Those three or one person and two organizations were involved in putting this together. And as a result, there was a nice smattering of Buffalo Bills fans and other people there. And I got a chance to go. And let me tell you, man, it was just what the doctor ordered. I needed it. I needed it badly, man. Seeing Bills fans there, by the way, I, I'm going to throw this out there. And this might be unpopular, corny and cheesy. And you know what? I don't fucking give a shit because I don't, I say stuff that I mean. I don't say stuff that necessarily to get likes on Twitter or to try to become Mr. Popularity. I say what I feel. Sometimes it's, it comes off as positive, sometimes negative. I really don't care. I'm just going to be me. But I'm going to say this. That whole Bill's Mafia's family uh, model, whatever you want to call it, that gets a lot of criticism from skeptics and stuff. And I get it. And I used to feel that way. But I'm going to tell you what. They're good people, man. There's some idiots, there's some assholes amongst Bill's Mafia, just like there is in 31 other fan bases too, all right? So let's not excuse that. But for the most part, these fans are awesome, man. The shit they do, whether it's charitable or just hanging out, becoming friends with each other, taking each other in, becoming friends with people, it's warming, man. It's it's really freaking cool, dude. It's really cool. Anyway, bunch of Bill's fans I got to meet. Um, I, I hung out with uh, Kristen Kimmick, who I... That's not the first time I've met her. Me and Kristen have become good friends over the last year, and we've hung out plenty in December. Kristen is the founder of Bill's Mafia Babes. Uh, I met Ashley Petty, who's a longtime Bill's fan. I've, I've known her on Twitter for like a 10 years, maybe longer. First time we actually physically met. That was really cool. I got to meet Veronica, 
who is a longtime girlfriend of Pancho Bilia, who a guy, man, who I hold near and dear to my heart. He was on this show three times. Loved talking to him. God, rest in peace. God, I love that guy. Anyway, his longtime girlfriend, I got to meet her. Gave her a huge hug. God, she's such a nice, beautiful person, man. Love her. Anyway, her, their two beautiful kids, they were there. Little hams for the camera. God, I love them. It was so much fun. And then Patrick Miller, last but not least, I, I got an opportunity to meet Patrick Miller. And I don't want to get too much into it, but I will say this. A lot of Bills, and Patrick is a big Bills and Sabres fan, and people know him from there. But they also know him as a military hero. Uh, the guy in, in Fort Drum years ago shot two inches below the heart. But even after that, managed to save lives. He ended up winning like the highest decorated non-combat honors that somebody in the military can make. Today, he's a lieutenant colonel. Very, very popular guy, man. Great person. Anyway, he flew in from Seattle. His, his family lives, and he works in Seattle now. Came in for the Bills game. He was there. I've known him on Twitter for a long time. Finally got a chance to meet him physically. And man, we just, we had such a good conversation, such a good vibe. And it changed, it changed me a little bit because I, I noticed sometimes when you're around people, you notice things. This dude might be the most positive person I've ever met in my life. Whether he knew somebody well there, whether he was meeting somebody for the very first time, didn't matter. He's hugging people shaking hands, big smile on his face, just a genuinely nice person. And those type of people are infectious, man. Infectious. Awesome dude. Great conversation. So that whole day really got me feeling some kind of way. And then the next morning, game day Sunday. So I didn't go to the game and I didn't tailgate. And the reason being simply because I had some work commitment stuff. And I know if my ass went and tailgate in the morning, I was never going to take my ass to, to work afterwards. So I, I, I guess I did the responsible thing. But anyway, that's not my point. My point is this. I got up early in the morning. I went to like save a lot. I went to, to big lots. I went to a couple other Wegmans. No, not Wegmans. I went to a couple other stores though. Everywhere I went, man, a sea of Bills gear. Everywhere you go. It's religion. Football, Buffalo Bills is religion in Western New York. It's been in the last five years in Florida, watching games at Bills backer bars, meeting some Bills fans having some good friends down there who are Bills fans. It was fun to watch the game, but it's just not on this level. It's just not on this level. It was incredible to be around Western New York on Sunday and just feel that vibe. And it's not seeing the vibe, it's feeling the vibe. And I felt, felt the vibe. It felt awesome. And it was at that moment, I'm like, this weekend felt like home. And it was the first time since I came back here on July 4th where I was like, this truly, legitimately feels like home and always will be home. So thank you very much to everybody out there who kind of helped me get in this mind space. Like I said, Pat Miller and Ashley Patty and Kristen and Jay Spence the King and Joe Miller, two good friends of mine who are uh, podcasting buddies who I ran into a couple times throughout the week. And then, like I said, just seeing the Bills fans everywhere. It just felt so freaking amazing, man. Great stuff there. Not so great on the field, though. Not so great on the field. The Bills did not play well. They were they were beat, man. They didn't lose that game. Pittsburgh beat them. That's the way I feel about it. I don't know if Joe does, but we're about to find out because here it is, my conversation with my buddy, Joe from Queens. All right, I'm joined now by my buddy Joe from Queens at Buffalo Wins on Twitter. 
Got to sit down with him a couple weeks ago with our buddy Joe Yerdon at Casey's BlackRock. Did a live show. That was a lot of fun. Now I got you back in the traditional. You're in New York City. I'm in Buffalo. Got you on the, the old Zencaster on the internet. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? Not much, man. It's our first podcast together in my new apartment, too. This is our first podcast together in my new apartment oh, as so well. Oh, both of us, yeah. So <laughs> we, we, we moved on up as the general. Yeah, we, right. we have. Uh, I got to say, man, it feels... I, I talked about this with Yurden a little bit last week. It just feels good. I was... This is last week was the first time I got to do a show with my own gear and my own setup in, in uh, I don't know, my own desk, my own boom arm, all this stuff in probably three months. I was, I've been podcasting basically from hotel rooms and lobbies and a couple bars and my mom's attic basically over the last couple months. So yeah, to kind of get like my home studio set up, finally some comfort. I'm not holding my broadcast microphone with my hands right now. I got mm -hmm. it resting up here on the arm. It feels good though. Looks looks a little bit jazzy back there. I see the TV hanging up. No, it's not, that's not the TV. That's actually an AC unit. Oh, okay. We have, so in our apartment, we have like uh, like it's European like air conditioners, kind of. Uh, which I, I can't really describe. It's like the more in like more expensive wall units, basically. And like we have them in like that the landlord gave it to us, so we have a bunch of them in our apartment. So that's what that is behind me. It's a very it keeps me breathe. It keeps me cool right now because I'm in, I'm in my uh, lady's uh, her like craft room slash second bedroom room. Okay, so, because that's where the internet connection is like the strongest. Um, <laughs> which I've have, I've had some issues. Like you, unfortunately, we're never going to be able to do the podcast in my man cave. Which no. I'm very I'm very disappointed because I have a Bills flag in there. I got a Queens flag. I got like uh, a couple cool things in there that would make it look cool. But uh, unfortunately, you just got to get the the air conditioner behind me. If I was doing it, if I was doing it the other way, you would see a bunch of uh, Broadway programs that my fiance has. So nice, nice, you'd nice. Be, you'd be cultured by that. <laughs> All right. So later in the show, we'll talk about the news that so this is dropping Wednesday on Tuesday afternoon. Word came out; it was announced that both if you're going to a Bills game or to a Sabres game or any event in the arena or the stadium, fully vaccinated or your ass ain't getting in. We'll have some thoughts on that a little bit later in the show. Right now, I want to begin with this. So we're not going to talk so much about the game in, in painstakingly detail because, quite frankly, by Wednesday, the game itself is old news and it's been talked about by every blogger and podcaster and mainstream media person in the world by now. But here was kind of the theme for today that I wanted to hit on. If people are going to say overreacting to a loss or to a win is stupid, I would counter by saying, I agree, but let's not underreact as well because then you're just being a homer like you're not even taking anything that happened Sunday into consideration you're just blowing it off it's just one game yada 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 which is true but again if we're not going to overreact I don't want to underreact either so I kind of want to have a little bit of balance and Joe I'll tell you what too before we talk about like the game and the bills this is where I want to start because I don't think this has been talked about enough and I generally when the bills lose I probably shouldn't say this as a content creator but I I hate listening to the radio. I hate listening to WJR after they lose. I hate reading the paper the next day. I hate read or you know I hate listening to, to other podcasts and shit like that. I just kind of want to wipe the slate clean and, and start over. But I have listened to a lot of shit this week, and the one thing I've noticed there's not enough of right now is before leveling any criticism on the Bills, let's give the Pittsburgh Steelers some credit here. Okay, that defense is really good. 
That front four is a monstrous front four. They were in Josh Allen's face all day. They barely blitzed at all. In fact, I think I saw a stat show where I think Pittsburgh only blitzed like once a whole game, man. So the front four was awesome. I thought the secondary played very well. Big pass breakups. They got their arms and hands on passes. They didn't miss any open field tackles. Diggs and Sanders, Beasley, these guys were catching the balls. They weren't able to shed these tacklers and, and make big plays. I thought Big Ben played pretty goddamn well, at least in the second half. Uh, they're coached well, man. Good game plan. So so props to the Pittsburgh Steelers, a, a team that I think everybody had written off for dead before the season. I mean, hell, man, everybody had them in third in the NFC or the AFC North. I mean, even some people think Cincinnati was going to be better than Pittsburgh this year. Steelers, I don't know if they're going to a good team right now. Let's give them credit. I'm sure you agree, Joe. Let's give them some credit because they played really well. Yeah, I mean, I was definitely one of those guys before the game. I I had this as a win, like an automatic. They're going to win by like two scores. You know, yeah. like that's kind of where I was at. I thought Pittsburgh was dead and I thought I didn't, you know, honestly, I, I didn't respect their defense enough. I thought like, oh, you know, the Bills would get 25, 30 points. It mm-hmm. might be a slugfest, but there's, you know, that's what I didn't respect at all. And obviously their defense was great. They gave the Bills fits. Um, you know, Roethlisberger wasn't, you know, it was it was such a weird game. Like Roethlisberger wasn't even good for like three quarters of it. He wasn't very good, but then he, you know, he they had some great catches in that game and, and so on and so forth. But yeah, I think you have to give the Steelers, you know, a lot of credit, especially defensively. For what they did, I mean, it's 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 just weird because look, they started off twelve and zero last year, and then they had that that or eleven and zero, whatever they were, and then they had that that just a horrible like last you know quarter of the season with the playoffs where they just got obliterated. And I think just we all were like, they're done. This has got to be the end of them, and it wasn't the end of them on Sunday. No, they were good, man. They were good. And another thing too, let well, let's start here before we talk about players on the field. I I. Again, let's not underreact. I don't want to overreact, but let's not underreact either here. Ryan Dable, man, I feel like he's regarded as one of the hottest head coaching candidates out there. Certainly was last year. We thought we were going to lose him. I don't like saying we, the Buffalo Bills. This is not a fan podcast. This is, you know, we're breaking down a game here. I thought a lot of people thought the Bills were going to lose Dable last year. And I think he's a firm front runner right now for a head coaching job. I'll say this, man. When he's sending his resume out this offseason for job openings, he might want to leave this game off because there was just something about Brian Dable's play calling that was, it was just weird, man. And, and I get it. And you know this too. When things work, you're a genius. And when they don't, you're an idiot. But just some of the things he did, man, let's talk about a couple of them because I, I think one of them was a key point in the game to me, and it was that fourth and one. It was fourth and like less than a yard. They had previously converted a fourth down with Josh Allen on a sneaker. Maybe it was a third down on a yard, and Josh Allen got three yards. We all thought that was coming again. They line up. Josh Allen takes a snap, stands up basically like he's going to go, but then he stops, and he pitches the ball outside to Matt Breida, and that was red perfect. Uh, I can't remember what player it is. It was Cameron Sutton. Read it perfect, made the stop. The Bills don't convert, so they try, instead of going to their strength up the middle with Josh Allen, they try something stupid to the outside. Pittsburgh snuffs it. They score. The Bills get the ball back, block punt. Indirectly, that play alone leads to, to 14 points. Right there. It's a big point of the game. I didn't hate the call. 
I, I thought the call, I thought it was just one of those typical, it just got executed badly. They used that call. I mean, that call doesn't really get done that often. I don't know if you saw the video of it, but that was the same thing they they drew up in 2004 with uh, with Bledsoe and McGahee. Did you see that at all? No, I don't remember it. Okay, so it, it was on. It made the rounds on Twitter, and they even even Dable said that he admitted, like, yeah, that was the call that they he basically stole it from 2004, which was Bledsoe making like the, he did a little bit of a sneak, and, oh, and then he stopped back and then pitched it to McGahee, and they ran 30 yards for a touchdown. The same exact situation, fourth and one, cool, play, cool ass play. Didn't work this time, and I, I felt I didn't hate the call. It was just it was just poorly done all, all around. Like it was just a bad. It, it, the guy read it perfectly. I don't know what they could have done differently. Like I was, they ran the ball up the middle for a half yard and kept the chain. Yeah, they they they, they, <laughs> they they tried to go for the jugular. It's one of those things where hey, if it works, great. And then you know, obviously it doesn't. Then it looks bad. But I was fine with it. I you know, I wasn't. I I've always again. Again, I'm going back to the blood that play from t- 2004. I always loved that play. It's a fun play. You should go look it up. But. uh yeah, you know, in that game, you know, that was – I, I didn't hate Dable's game plan in that game. Like, look, we have been talking all year long or going into the season. We want the Bills to pass. That's what they do. They're supposed to pass the freaking football. And I want three, four wide receiver sets. That's what I think they do best. They have a – they're deep at wide receiver. They're not a ground and pound team. Okay, they're not going to be. They shouldn't be, to be honest with you. And I, I, I thought they wanted to come out and throw, and they just didn't execute. And that was it. And it was it was a collective like I'm sure you want to go through the list of what was wrong, but like it was a collective offensive failure from Josh Allen to the offensive line to the wide receivers. Everyone, I agree with that. Look, at the end of the day, execution matters. Again, going back to what we just talked about, credit to Steelers, they stuffed that play out. That guy makes a stop if he's not there. Rita maybe takes it outside. I don't know though. Like the point of the where the field where they were in the point of the game, I just didn't feel like it was time to mess around. Another play was that flea flicker. That was a fail. It was third and one. It was the Bills' second drive of the game, and they were on their own 46. Singletary, uh, you know, he, he took the handoff, pitch it back to try to hit Stephon Diggs deep. Great breakup. Again, Cameron Sutton. I don't have a problem with the play, Joe. I, I like that kind of trickery. But to me, and this is where I have the issue with Dable here, that's a call that you make if you're in Pittsburgh territory and you know ahead of time. All right, it's it's third and one. If this doesn't work, we're going to go for it on fourth down. We're inside Pittsburgh territory because that's a high-risk play. They only had one receiver route. Diggs was the only guy who ran around there. If you make that call. If you're in Pittsburgh territory and you know ahead of time, if that play doesn't work, you're going to go for it on fourth down, then, I, then I'm okay with the call. But they didn't do that. They ran a trick play on 31 from their own 46. It didn't work, and then they punted. I didn't like that. Um, I also think if you can remember this in the third quarter when the Bills are driving, they went down the field. They got deep into Pittsburgh territory, like inside the 15-yard line. Maybe it might have even been inside the 10. It was inside the 10. And then they got conservative. I mean, they ran Devin Singletary. And this was on the drive where Singletary had good success on the ground earlier. But you knew Pittsburgh was going to tighten up on that. They ran Singletary on first down. Then they did a design run by Josh Allen on the second down. And then they dumped it in the flat to single. They didn't even take a shot at the end zone in three downs. And they and they, they held, got held to a field goal. So it's like Dable at times was too cute. And then when it felt like he should have been more aggressive, they, they just, just got conservative. And for whatever reason, man, I, and I agree with you, I like four wide receiver sets, five wide receiver sets. They just weren't working. And it was obvious that they weren't working. And they, they ran like a third of the game, I think, 
empty set receivers. But anyway, the like I said, the flea flicker, getting conservative on third down, it just didn't seem like a very good game for Brian Dable. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the flea flicker play going back, I had an issue with there only being like one wide receiver in the pattern. Like that was stupid. Like you got to have at least a couple. And I think Gabe Davis was like a decoy and he didn't really turn around. That's right. what, that's where you don't do it. And I, I forgot who the intended receiver was, but I always think it was digs. I always feel like on a flea flicker, you got to go, you got you to gotta run like a post. They got to go deep, not like a 14 yard play. Cause it's like the guys are still there. Um, I don't know. I, I, I didn't, I didn't hate I, the, the, oh, the weirdness of the, when they were aggressive, like you kind of alluded to, like that was kind of weird. Like they were kind of, they picked their parts like to be aggressive wrong. Like, and that even goes back to McDermott, to be honest with you. Like, the, the fourth down decision-making. Sure. Like, I never – I did not understand why they punted twice in the first half. On They like, punted out they punted out fourth and one from their own 46, like I talked about after the flea flicker. They punted out fourth and three from the Pittsburgh 43 just one series later. And, yeah, then later in the game they went for it. It was like fourth and eight and a half from the Pittsburgh 35. Instead of at that point, when it was obvious, I think it was 10-6 at that time, pretty deep into the third quarter. You it, you got the sense that points were coming at a premium. They're like this wasn't going to be no thirty to twenty seven game. You you got a kicker who's kicked very well. Why not kick that fifty three yard field goal? They were third and eight and a half or fourth and eight and a half going for it. That seemed curious, especially when they were conservative with punt calls on fourth and, and significantly less twice in the game. Yeah, and they were still winning at that time. I also it was thought, not a good game for the coaches. Yeah, it wasn't. I I think I think the biggest thing I I think the the block punt is what changed everything. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I still it was one of those weird games where I was like, we got this like for <laughs> for at least like three quarters. I was like, oh, you know, it, they, they're they they're moving the ball down the field here and there. It's just they're, they're being choppy here and there. And like the Steelers have been lucky with some catching some great passes from their wide receivers. But once that block punt happened, I was like, oh, no, like it's over. I mean, put him down. That was the nail. That, was the, like nail. that was the nail. That was, was it, a, that made it a two score game. Yeah, that was the difference to me. Like, you don't get that. I mean, who knows what happens? I mean, and it wasn't like the steal. And that was like one of the weird things, like going back to them not 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 going for it in fourth down in the first half. It's like the Steelers' offense isn't moving the ball. Like, go for it. Who gives a shit? Like, you're gonna give them like sixty yards to them to do nothing. Like, I think the Steelers had like forty yards in the first half. You know, it was just, it was just a weird game. It was um, it it, it felt it, it felt kind of a little bit like last year's game at times, really. Like against the Steelers, where if you remember, the, the Bills didn't do anything against the Steelers' offense in the first half. Then they got the pick six from Teron Johnson, and then they had, like, the two back-to-back drives where they just zipped it down the field, uh, and that was it. Like, it was right. basically a two-drive, they-kicked-ass game, and the difference was they got, the, you know, Pittsburgh got the, the defensive-slash-special-teams touchdown this year when the Bills got the defensive touchdown last year, but... You know, it, it was just, if anything, like long term, like I, that I worry. I don't worry too much about the offense. I don't worry. I, I think this was just a, an off day for Allen, an off day for the wide receivers. Like there were just missed throws, drops. Your boy Cole Weasley was was uh, dropping passes. It just was a the, the passing game just was out of rhythm. And I think it was just it's just one of those games. It happens. Okay, my long term worry for the offense is the offensive line. That's yeah. what worries me. I have not liked the offensive line. I, I don't want to say I haven't liked them. I I've, I've been like, yeah, they're they're okay, but like when they go against a bigger team on the front four, I'm worried about that. And you we're we're sitting there like you know when you're at the top of the heap, and you're thinking about like who we got to knock off to go win the Super Bowl, right? 
you got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who that front four is awesome. And they killed, they've killed Mahomes last year. Imagine if they had played in the Super Bowl last year, they played Tampa Bay with that front four. They, they, they would have gotten eaten alive inside. And that's where I think their issues are right now. Like that, that the line play ever since 2000, ever since last year, the beginning of last year, when they like, they, they cut Quentin Spain, like they re-signed him, cut him the whole thing with Mitch Morris. Like if they liked him or didn't like him, I don't even know what the hell happened that one game when they sat him and, and all that weird shit happened. You know, the, 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 the constant platoon, I don't like when my guards, are pay, playing different different series. I don't like that. I don't yeah. like when my second-round pick, who was supposed to be a tackle, they move him to guard his second year. It's just weird to me. And there's, it's just, there's just something that smells bad about the offensive line. Yeah, I agree. And we're going to get into the offensive line in a little more detail in, in just a minute. So, like I said, we Brian Dable just didn't have a good day. I still like Brian Dable very much. I half agree with you. I, the block punt to me, I don't think it was the turning point in the game. I think it was the nail in the coffin. I still think the turning point of the game, which again, if the play works, he's a genius. But that pitch on fourth and one to Brita that failed, to me, that was the turning point of the game. That led directly to 14, or not directly, indirectly at least, to, to 14 straight Pittsburgh points. Yeah, McDermott, I mean, to Sean McDermott's credit, not just Sunday after the game, but also Monday in the press conference, he's taking a lot of bullets. He's taking a lot of heat. And, and he's putting it out himself. He's he's not blaming the players. He's blaming himself. It starts with him. He needs to be have his team more ready to play. He wasn't happy with the way he coached. He wasn't happy with his coordinators, and that was pretty obvious as well. So credit to him for that. I'll, I'll say this before we talk about like any specific positions of players. There was one thing this offseason. So you weren't on that much during this offseason, but time and time and time again, we I would have people on and we would talk about like, what's a position or what's something about this team that worries you? And time and time again, it was, well, the tight ends could be a problem. You kind of hit on the offensive line. Certainly, that's been discussed. Um, are the young rookies going to make the defensive line better right now? There's lots of things. But for me, my biggest worry has been the expectations on this football team, man. You know, they've been, you go national media, local media, whoever, fans, whatever. There's lofty expectations everybody's picking the Bills to go to the Super Bowl, almost everybody. We watched it Sunday on pregame. Three of the four from CBS picked the Bills to go to the Super Bowl. Same thing with ESPN. Everybody's picking the Bills. They're the pick to go to the Super Bowl this year. I think that puts a lot of pressure on you, man. And this is not a football team that's accustomed to having those type of expectations. And I saw a team on Sunday, and maybe it's just me, maybe I'm wrong, but they look tight to me, man. And they could deny it, and I'm sure they're denying it, and they have. But I think maybe this team read a few too many press clippings. You start to think a little that you're as good as people think you are at some point. I don't know, because what I saw on Sunday was a Pittsburgh Steelers team that just flat out, they outplayed the Bills, they they outworked the Buffalo Bills, and they wanted that game more. And even when it was 10 nothing at halftime, it's just, I don't know. I expected the Bills to come out hungrier. And play harder in the second half. And it's not that they didn't try. Of course they tried. But just Pittsburgh was hungrier, man. That's what I'm getting at here. And I'm a little concerned about the expectations in the Bills. Maybe they needed this. I don't know. But maybe this humbled <clears> them. I feel like the expectations have been very high. And I think at least maybe in week one, the Bills started to believe that hype a little bit too much. Nah, I don't believe that. I no? mean, they, they seem pretty grounded. They're the boring. Like, if they were a cocky, arrogant asshole team, 
sure, maybe. Okay, like the 90s bills were arrogant and blah, blah, blah. And part of the reason why 89 was not good was because they got full of themselves. This is like the most boringest football team of all time. They don't say anything like remotely like they're, they're full of themselves. I don't, I'm not there with that, no. I mean, I, I just think, look, they, they, they didn't match up well against the Steelers last year. I mean, like I said before, they, I mean, they won. I know that. But, like, the Steelers were a better we – we, if anyone got arrogant, it was us. It was Bill's Twitter. It was you. It was me. That's, that's who got arrogant. I don't think they got arrogant. They, they don't strike me as, like, a team that's, like, reading press clippings and, and getting full of themselves. You know what I mean? I, I don't – I mean, look, it's, 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 I can't have, have that discussion one game in. If they're, if they're four, four and six or something like that, then, yeah, okay, maybe. But, like, there's no one I, – I don't, I don't feel they um, – that, that's, that's not in their DNA. They just don't come across as a, a team that's going to get super arrogant and cocky because Stephen A. Smith likes them or whatever the fuck. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
Got to talk about Josh Allen. But before that, I, I actually want to circle back to what you brought up with the offensive line because I think it's an excellent point. And I don't think it's an overreaction whatsoever to have legitimate worry about this unit. They looked really bad. Now, again, let's keep some things in perspective. The Pittsburgh Steelers have one of the better defensive lines in the NFL. Watt is TJ Watt is one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL. Melvin Ingram, when healthy, is a wrecker. And we saw that. And Hayward, goddamn, was he ever owning John Feliciano. So that, again, they're one of those few teams that are good enough to get pressure on a quarterback without needing the blitz. So Pittsburgh gets credit. Let's not take that away. That said, bro, the Bills offensive line to me, and this is the biggest takeaway of the game for me, that concerns me long-term. Like you said, I agree with you. The offensive line is a fucking mess, man. Six holding calls. Deion Dawkins had three of them himself. Josh Allen was uncomfortable all day. You could see the effects that Pittsburgh, not necessarily the sacks, but the hits and just getting in his face, making him uncomfortable, moving those feet faster than he wanted to. He was uncomfortable all day. John Feliciano just eaten alive by Cameron Hayward. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a reach, even after just basic one game. John Feliciano is a weak link on this offense right now. He might be, you know, we talk about Dawson Knox a lot. Who, By the way, I thought Dawson Knox played fine on Sunday. I think John Feliciano at this point is the weakest link on the, maybe not just on the offense, on this entire football team. He's bad. What we saw in film, and you've watched some of the Twitter, even on Twitter, some of the highlights, and when they broke down frames of him, he looked horrible, bro. Horrible. Not just him, but he was the worst on that he, line. He is not very good at all. No, I, 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 he, he should not be. He's a a perfect backup. Where if you got the, you need three games and like, hey, I need to put something in there. That's what he was originally supposed to be, Pat. He was supposed to be a backup. He didn't even play that much last year because he got hurt. And like, there's like, I don't know what made him a fan favorite. I know there's a few reporters that love him and like are always talking, tweeting about his quotes because I think that I mean we know that if you're a money quote, they'll. They'll gravitate to you, but yeah, he's that. He's not very good. He's very bad in pass protection. I mean, we saw what what Hayward did on on, on against the against the, the against him. Like he was like Feliciano was blocking air. Like you know, it was just like a, just a very a, a it was bad. Move. It was bad. Like the interior was. It's, he's not very good. And you know what? You know, we talk a little bit. Oh, sorry, hold on a second, bud. We talk, Joe's, Joe's microphone is just going yeah. all over the place. So. We, ta- we talked before about, like, you know, one of the our worries a little bit was, like, hey, they decided to run everything back and keep the same thing instead of getting better. Well, like, there was one thing you could have definitely gotten an improvement on, and that was your guard play. Because I don't think anyone who watches football, whether they're watching all 22 or they're just a schmuck who just watches the games like I do, who could say, like, you know what, the, the interior line, those guards aren't very good right now. And they didn't do anything. They just brought back the same people. They gave him a, a, a nice extension. I don't know why. I mean, you know, whatever. Fine. Like, he, again, he's a great backup. If you need someone to play for three, four weeks, fine. But, like, you know, he's that's it. Like, the line has just been, It's again, it's been, to me, a – they haven't been impressive. I think Josh Allen's mobility, I think the skill guys, the offensive philosophy in the passing game has masked – a lot of their shortcomings and you know, it's, it's not a lack of effort at the end of the day, by by Mc, by Bean and McDermott, they have invested in the offensive line. They got two former second round picks there. They paid a shitload of money to Mitch Morris. They have uh, you know, they, they, they extended Williams. 
like they've put money into it, and that's probably one of the reasons why they didn't, they didn't improve it because they were like, hey, we we've done it, we did our due diligence. We for have all, a lot of guys here for all the good things Brandon Bean's done in building and constructing this roster. If every every football organization has a weak link, and you have to say at this point, maybe the way Bean's built this offensive line is kind of looking like a a weak link. Because you look at the other side, Cody Ford starting, but it doesn't feel like he's earned that spot. I mean. Him and Ike Bakker were rotating, and Ike Bakker was so bad in his two possessions on Sunday that Cody Ford played the whole second half. Obviously, they're not that happy with Cody Ford, or there wouldn't be a competition, or there wouldn't be no rotating. So if he's sitting out the second and third series of, of the opening week, that means they're not sold on Cody Ford. It's not that he played his way onto the field. It's more that Ike, Ike Bakker played his way off the field on Sunday. But, you know, and, and again, by the way, not to... Not to belittle Brandon Bean because he, he's done an incredible job. And again, that would be an overreaction, but let's not underreact either here. Like I said, man, if there's one move that I think Brandon Bean kind of wishes he could redo, it might might have been trading Wyatt Teller to Cleveland because this team right now could use a really good guard bad. Mitch Morris is okay at center. These guards are not good. These guards are the weak link of the football team, man. They're yeah. the weak link. And, and you know that, and I know that. But, 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 let's... It's kind of like with other positions. It's just easy to always have that same whipping boy. You know what I mean? Deion Dawkins was very bad, too, on Sunday. Three holding calls by himself. Uh, he struggled really bad. I mean, as bad as Feliciano was with Hayward, uh, Dawkins wasn't much better trying to handle Melvin Ingram. You have to wonder, is Deion Dawkins 100% recovered and up to speed from having COVID? Because that did knock him out of a nice chunk of training camp in the preseason. He only got, you know, a little cameo in the last preseason game. You have to wonder, you have to hope anyway, that maybe he wasn't quite at 100%, because if that's 100% Deion Dawkins and the way he looked against uh, Melvin Ingram, he's in trouble this year too. Yeah, I mean, he, I, I do think a part of that was, is COVID related, maybe. I mean, he didn't, he missed like, what, two, three weeks. Yeah. Um. COVID, as we know, isn't something. And he got sick, too. And he, he got sick. He yeah, he, he got candid. sick. He lost 20 pounds or whatever. Like, you know, that's I think that's that's a reason for it. And look, again, I, I think this is more, it, it, go, and I, it goes back to it being more about the Steelers. I think the Steelers' defense, you know, is a really, it, it, it put, you know, it's, it's, it was one of those games where if you're one of those, those fans who are like, you know, defense wins championships, man, you know, and one of those, like, you know, hellfire and brimstone like old school football guy you would love this game because it showed like a great defense did beat a great offense pretty you know kind of handily so that that's where i think it was it really it really goes down to and that's where you know i i think you're the biggest question everyone has to maybe ask themselves is what do the bills do if they play another team that has like this kind of a defense where they're a top you know five defense because you know i was trying to think back like you know since last started last year like who have been like the great defenses they've played and I, I don't really think great defenses are a thing as much in the nfl nowadays because everyone is just pass 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 and even if you're a good defense you're gonna get burned and you know the only one i could think of that they had a, a pretty good game against was uh the rams when they you know they they had and that was one of those games where they were hot in the first half and then didn't do anything in the second half until the last drive but um you know, you have to worry if, if you know, the, the formula could be there, you know, to to beat the Bills offense, which is, hey, don't blitz, let your four-man front get to the quarterback, play zone, 
You know, don't let them beat you over the top and kind of flood the passing lanes. And that's how you can maybe beat them. And again, it is. I, I think uh, that's a combination. There were some missed throws by Josh. There was a lot, uh, some drops too as well. Like, you know, like Cole, Emmanuel Sanders kind of had a drop, you know, and, and Josh overthrew some people. So, but, you know, it's, you know, it, it's just disappointing because look, it, it, everyone and their mother was hyped up for that game on Sunday. Everyone was just like, like, let's do this. It, it was, and it was a letdown. And I think I, I'll tell you right now, Joe, I went to uh I went to a, a Bills fan, a skating party, a charity thing on Saturday. And there were a lot of Bills fans around. I obviously living in Buffalo. See was I, was in, I blocked by any of them? Probably. Okay. I, so I, I, you know, I saw uh, tons of Bills fans, obviously being here all weekend. I don't think anybody saw this coming. Nobody no, no expected the Bills no, to be, did. no one in this town anyway, whether you're the media, whether you're a fan or frankly, probably a player, expected the Bills to be, uh, you know, 0-1. You're right about the formula to beat the Bills. But the thing is, that's the formula to beat any team. If you're good enough to get pressure with four guys and you get to have seven in coverage, you're going to have success against any team. The thing with Pitt, there's not a lot of defensive lines right now on paper anyway that are like Pittsburgh's defense at the Bills play. Anyway, Washington in week three, they got a really good defensive line. And then obviously they got to go to Tampa in December. Those are going to be tough matchups mm-hmm. because of what we saw Sunday. And I would say the Chiefs, even though the Chiefs don't have a great defensive line for whatever, Chris Jones just absolutely terrorizes the interior of the Bills. He did that twice line. last year, yeah. Yeah, he did that twice last year. In fact, it was largely Mongol, um, John Feliciano, that he just, he embarrassed out there. When mm-hmm. it comes to Josh, all right? So let me say this. He was, uh, he was okay, all right? I, I'm not going to put this game on him. I think, again, I did not like some of the play calls. I did not like the offensive line. I thought they put Josh Allen in a bad position. And if your offensive line's bad, I don't care who you are, man. You're Aaron Rodgers, you're Dak Prescott, you're Pat Mahomes, you're going to struggle. We saw in the Super Bowl last year when the offensive line falls apart what a good defensive line could do to a great quarterback. We saw it with their own eyes. I thought Josh was all right. I won't put this game on him, but that said, dude, again, let's not underreact, Joe. Josh Allen could have played better, okay? You're the franchise quarterback. You're the reigning MVP runner-up. Even if things around you aren't going good, you you have to be better when the opportunities are there. That long throw early in the game, you want to talk about pivotal plays? That was a pivotal play, all right? They're up 3 nothing. There was no excuse in terms of pass protection. The time was there. Emmanuel Sanders was open, and Josh Allen straight up overthrew him. That would have been a 55-yard touchdown. The Bills go up 10-0. He hits that pass. Maybe he gets his, his confidence is going, and maybe it's a completely different game. That was a fucking huge play in the game. I, I don't care how early it was. That mattered. I remember another play. And in fact, I wrote this in my notes. I, I took some notes during the game. There was another time, and this is where Josh has made some bad decisions. He tried to force a deep ball near the end zone to Stephon Diggs, who was in double coverage. And I remember screaming at the TV. And in fact, I DVR'd, I played it back. Devin Singletary was a play action fake. And Devin Singletary slipped out of the backfield. And there was not a Steelers defender within 12 yards of him. He, at worst case, he's down in the red zone. Josh didn't even look at him. He had tunnel vision, and he was determined to go to, to Stephon Diggs. There were open receivers. Josh Allen forced a lot of passes in the middle of the field in double or even triple coverage. And somebody had tweeted this, and I actually agree with this. And I hope this isn't a pattern. You got to take as a good quarterback, you got to sometimes take what the defense gives you. Dude, Josh Allen had, and again, this is a mop, but someone else tweeted this, so I don't want to take credit for it, but I'm arrogance. 
he had arm arrogance. Like he was trying to force a lot of shit that maybe he didn't need to. You know, it was not a good game. So again, I don't want to put this on him because it was more about this team and the offensive line letting him down. And like you said, receivers also dropped a couple balls. But Josh Allen was not 2020 Josh Allen. He had arm arrogance, and I think he needs to play better because he was not very good Sunday. Yeah, he looked a little bit like 2019 Allen there. Yes. And um, yes. I think I think at the end of the day, look, if you want to break it down offensively, like who gets to blame, I think it's, it's I would say offensive line 40% and then break it down to Josh Allen, Dable, and wide receivers evenly. So do the math. I don't know what the math is. I don't care. But uh, yeah, he he had he he missed some throws. You know, he he wasn't very good. Um, there's one thing that pissed me off. You know what? You know, I'm going back to Dable. Sorry to do this because you know you were you were picking on him, and I was kind of giving him the benefit of the doubt. But I have something to complain about him. I'm sick and tired of these stupid ass quarterback draws they run. They are dumb. They never work. They get like three yards in a cloud, of, and that's it. Because, and I've said this before, Josh Allen is not Lamar Jackson when it comes to running. Lamar Jackson's elusive, has really good vision, can like cut on a dime. He has like that, that, he's elusive. That's the key. Josh Allen running straight ahead with like one defender, he's great. When Josh Allen has to run into a pile of like 10 guys, he's not great because he just lumbers forward and that's what he does. They kept running those, those stupid draws. I've been doing it since last year, and they always look shitty. They always just don't look good. And I don't know why they keep running these. Allen, when he runs it's at, at his best, it's when things break down. And, like, he's in, and everyone, there's no one open, and then he just takes off, and it's him against, like, one other defender, or he does the deke to Kiko Alonso or whatever. That's when he's good at running the football. But when they do these designed runs, there's no creativity there's nothing. There's not even like a, 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 a zone read or anything like that. It's just like he takes it and then he just runs up the field. I mean, you want to know why that 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 play that we hated that you hated with uh, the fourth and one when he pitched it to the running back didn't work? It's because people were like, "Oh yeah, who cares? Like he's not gonna, he's no threat to go up the middle because he's like they're when they do this stupid draw. Normally, it doesn't work. So I'm I'm just gonna throw that in there because I forgot to mention that when we were talking about David. But look, it was it was it wasn't his best game. Um, and again, yeah, I think you have to give credit to the Steelers. They came up with a great game plan. And I, I think that's really what you come out of this. If, if there's any long-term issue, like I said, that I still worry about, it's the offensive line. That's yeah. what I worry about. I'm still high on the offense. I'm still high on Allen. Um, but, you know, it's perfect for next week. You're going against Miami. Josh Allen has been awesome against the Dolphins. It, it, even when he came into the league and he, had, he was throwing to Zay Jones, he was awesome against them. If they if they if they play poorly against Miami's defense, then I'll start being a little bit like, okay, what the hell is going on here? But they've had he's had his number the last three years. For the record, I'm with you when it comes to Josh Allen. I don't like those design runs either. I do like him running, but I think his best plays are when the pocket breaks down or when he sees an opening when he's back there and he and he improvises and he runs. That's yeah, that's I what I said. That's, that's what's great. Yeah. He's dangerous there and he's also most dangerous when it's fourth and a half a yard because he's physically going to get a yard. But yeah, the design runs if you're expecting him to get 8 to 10, 12 yards, they're that's just, dumb. I don't like that either. They're I, just I dumb. They're, he just doesn't he I think it's a little bit that's on the run blocking which we I talked about that the Bills don't have a good run blocking scheme and also Allen's just too big to run. He's just and he I don't think he has good like He's not elusive, man. Like you see Lamar yeah. Jackson and Lamar Jackson is like shifting and like he can he makes five cuts in like a half a second. Josh Allen's yeah. like 
he's like a, a timber. Like he just yeah. goes forward and that's it. So the running game, the running game was fine. And Singletary ran for 72 yards. He was all right. That's that's what the Bills running game is essentially going to be this year. They're not going to have to rely heavily on the run or they're not whether they should or not they're not going to it's just yeah the way it's gonna be i was all right with singletary i'll tell you one thing that got lost so he got lucky a little bit because he actually did fumble twice but both times it was right near the sideline and the ball mm-hmm. ran out of bounds I, he was good he's all right i'm just i'm still it was of, a, it was a little weird because he's warm on him I like, I'm fine with him, but I, I thought it was interesting, like his, but his best runs came in the fourth quarter. He really didn't do anything, I don't think, for the first three quarters. That, because I think, I think Pittsburgh had a defense, and at that point in the game, Pittsburgh was playing defense like the Bills did against Kansas City last year, where they were like, all right, we're going to let you carve yeah. us up at the run, you're not going to throw on us. And I think for at least that drive, Dable recognized that, and that's why Singletary got big yeah. yards. So again, yeah, he had they got good... down that at red zone, though, or inside the 10, and he got a little too conservative there. Which, by the way, I mean, we could talk about the, the pitch, we could talk about the block punt. Another big key to this game, it, the red zone. That's ultimately what did the Bills into. They were only one for four in the red zone. Mm-hmm. That's a big difference in a one-score game, man. Uh, the Bills usually are really good in the red zone. So, that mattered. And the offense just didn't have big plays. They only had two plays of more than 16 yards. One of them was a Singletary run for 25, and uh, and Gabriel Davis had a beautiful 37-yard catch in the middle of the field. But that was it, dude. That was it. Yeah, let me throw this at you because you agreed with me, kind of. Have you – is there a little bit of, like, that concern? I, I tweeted out how the last three games dating the playoffs, the Bills' mm-hmm. offense has not been very good. It's been mediocre. Uh, I got a little bit of shit because some, you know, some people want to like give excuses because of the weather in Baltimore or I don't know, Cuomo, who the fuck knows at this point. But like, is that is that something we should look at in totality? Like in the last like three, four games, they have not it, it hasn't been great. Like the Colts game, I could I could go and go, hey, Allen had over 300 yards. The offense scored 27 points. It looked sloppy at times in that game. But hey, I, I can't complain about that. But after that. Last 12 quarters, they, they got four offensive touchdowns. And that's against teams that are really – that's against three playoff teams, you know, and three teams that you're going to have to probably duke it out for all those seeds in the playoffs. You know, it's not going against, you know, shitty defenses. Is, is that something – worth, It's worth noting. It, it, it's not nothing. It's not nothing. I mean, Baltimore has a great defense. It was cold and windy in the playoffs last year at Buffalo for that game. But, yeah, they, they weren't good. They weren't good – whatever reason at this point in time right now they just don't match up good with kansas city it's concerning i mean you'd be foolish to say it's not you'd be foolish to again i don't want to underreact let's that's the theme of this podcast i'm not just going to blow this steelers game off as nothing because yeah the steelers have a very good front four but you know what teams i guarantee you pittsburgh's going to have games they're going to go on next week and probably give up 27 points you know what i mean it's they're they're not, this wasn't an unbelievably great defense. There should have been ways, whether it was keeping this line off balance, whether it was forcing them the blitz, doing things to get Josh Allen more time in the pocket. I just feel like the game plan wasn't uh, very good. How'd the receivers, you- the receivers were not breaking tackles. They weren't getting open for anything more than five yard catches. Just a weird goddamn day, man. How did you feel about uh, Aaron Quinn's boy, Levi Wallace? Um, I... <laughs> So we're we're flipping to the defensive end here. Well, or defensive side of the ball. Well, let me say this. I think as a whole, when we're bitching about a lot of things, the defense doesn't deserve a lot of criticism. I thought they played as a whole pretty well. 
I, I thought in the first half they were, what, they gave up like 53 yards or some shit like that in yeah. the first half. They were good in the first half, man. Ed Oliver, I thought particularly, was really good in the first half. He had like three big plays. Um, You know, Star Latutule was out. I was worried that Najee Harris was going to carve them up. That never happened at all. I think Harris only had like 45 yards. He averaged less than like three and a half carries. And there's a whole like Steelers, I'm looking out at the stats. They ran for 75 yards, which by the way, a third of that was on a Chase Claypool reverse, which was a great play call. I thought they played well on defense, but to your point, the second half, that third quarter was like, uh, it turned into the old tried and true, find Levi Wallace, attack Levi Wallace philosophy that teams seemed to do against the Bills, and it worked. He had a big pass interference penalty. I don't want to say he got beat in the end zone for that touchdown, but he was in coverage on that touchdown, didn't make the play. He had a defensive holding call. So yeah, Levi Wallace to me is, uh, he's the weak link of this defense. And again, if you're going to, if we're going to talk about Brandon being like, maybe he should have done more to address guard in the draft or free agency this offseason, you can say anything about corner because all the bills did was keep Dane Jackson around the challenge. Levi Wallace. I don't want to see Levi Wallace got handed the job, but he didn't get pushed too hard either. Apparently. I'm still worried about him to answer your question. I He's the weak link of this defense, and, and it showed again on Sunday. Is he the weak link of this defense? Well, if he's not, who is? Um, Yeah, I guess he is. I mean, I, I would say more of totality on the cornerbacks after him. Like, you know, go to Dane Jackson. Like, I, I've said this. You want to beat the Bills defense, you spread them out. Like, you get their, their dime package on the field, get more cornerbacks on the field. That's why I think they're in trouble. Because they're not, they're very thin. They're very thin up front, or thin in the back end. But yeah, Levi's, he's he's, yeah. I don't think he should be a second. He shouldn't be your second best cornerback. He's a depth guy to me. On a good team, yeah. I mean, the Bills are a good team. So I don't want to say on a good team, but to me, on a good football team, Levi Wallace should be your guy coming off the bench. He's yeah. the guy. If Trey White goes down, you bring in Levi Wallace, and it doesn't go completely to shit. But him being that second starter. In an NFL where there's two, three really good receivers on every team, where even if Trey White could be the best corner in the NFL, and he's not, but he's up there. And even if Trey White success, successfully takes, like say you're playing the Titans, and Trey White manages to take out A.J. Brown out of the game, Julio Jones is going to eat Levi Wallace's ass up. You know what I mean? And there's going to be a lot of teams like that. I don't think he's a bona fide number two at all. I know you can't have 22 superstars on your on your roster out there on the field. But yeah. And you know, that's a concern. And then the other, I don't want to say it's a huge concern right now because it's only one game again, but let's not underreact. I didn't think Buffalo was that good at rushing the passer on Sunday. I know Mario Addison got to him. It was a beautiful sack, uh, forced to fumble. I think Jordan Poyer had a sack too. So they had two sacks, but big Ben wasn't pressured all that much. Now he was getting rid of the ball really quick. Yeah. Yeah. Good that coaching was, by Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, that was the scouting report on the the, the Steelers' new offense, that they were going to get rid of the ball quicker, you know. But I, I agree with your initial thing. Like, yeah, I, I was fine with the defense. You know, I, I do have concerns about Wallace. I do have a concerns about the pass rush. You know, I, I've been – my biggest thing going into this season, because, you know, we haven't talked – you know, I haven't talked to you really about the Bills in, in the offseason, is that the defense is what worries me. I think in totality, they have done very well against garbage quarterbacks, garbage offenses. But when they go against a team that has a lot of firepower, 
like the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, even the Tennessee Titans, like Tannehill burned them last year. You know, when they go, you know, when they go against a really top notch offense, they they that's when you see the the warts on them. You know, they've only really they've stopped Lamar Jackson, really, in my opinion. It's kind of like the one guy they've all, they've had good games against the last two. So I should give him a little credit because I do like Lamar Jackson. But sometimes it they've they've beating they've beating down a lot of bad quarterbacks like the Duck Hodges of the world and Cam Newton on his last legs and that sort of thing. You know, so they that worries me down the road a little bit. But you know, hey, they they overall they did play well. But again. They should have played well on defense. They're going against Ben Roethlisberger, who has half an arm right now. You know, he's he's Peyton Manning in his last year, basically. It feels yeah. Like. I, I I think that I'm not going to say the defense that I don't have no concerns about them because again, I'm not a big Levi Wallace guy. Teron Johnson makes a lot of good plays, but he also gets beat a lot in that secondary. I think the defense the defense will be okay if Rizzo. And Obata and these guys, if the pass rush gets better, and I do, I do think it'll get reasonably be reasonably better. I am concerned fully. If there's one part of this team that I am legitimately, even after just one game, concerned about, not an underreaction, is I am very concerned about the offensive line because I think both guards stink. Or all right, maybe stink is a strong word. They're average to mediocre guards in this NFL, and I am concerned about Deion Dawkins now at left tackle. Not his skill set. I am concerned about him returning from COVID. We've seen some players in the NFL last year. Cam Newton's a good example. I'm not a big Cam Newton guy, but Cam Newton was not 100% at any point last year when he came back from COVID, and I, it lingered. I'm concerned that this year, and this left tackle is way too important of a position. If Deion Dawkins is less than 100%, if he's less than his best self, if he's less than 2020 Deion Dawkins, this offensive line as a whole is going to be in a lot of trouble this year. That's not going away either. Yeah, well, it's it's a big it's a big question mark there for yeah. him. So he has to be good though. But again, look, it's one game. I, I'm not going to overreact. And what's what's your slogan for this podcast again? I forgot. Let's Overre- not underreact either. Let's I don't want to underreact. Uh, yeah, I'm closer to the underreact a little bit, just a little bit, <laughs> a little bit. See, I'm I'm taking I'm taking a nice viewpoint on the Bills. Look, it's one game. You know, it's in a good I, mood right now. Uh, yeah, I'm in a, I'm in a cool mood. I mean, hey, I'm a, a segue. I'm happy. The, the bills are making people go to the game. They have to get vaccinated. So I'm in a good mood. I'm, Before, I'm, I, I want to I get on Twitter to go see what Rachel Bush is bitching about right now. For that, though, like I said, to put a wrap, let's let's I, we will look big picture here. Right. I remember back. I think it was either 2003 or 2002. I think it was 2003. The bills beat the shit out of New England. If you're a New England Patriots fan and you're coming off a Super Bowl or whatever, or they just went to the Super Bowl the year before, and you go out to go to Buffalo and you get beat 31-0 in that first game, you're like, oh, Jesus, man, maybe this team's overrated, whatever. The Bills beat New England 31-0 that opener. New England went out and won the Super Bowl. So let's not get a little bit, you know, too crazy right now. I will say this, though, Joe. Next week, week two, Miami, I'm not going to, it's not like a season-defining game. It's not win or, or go home by any means, but... You don't want to go to 0-2. You don't want Miami to go to 2-0, essentially a three-game lead in your division early in, in the season. I think this game in Miami is as must win as a week two game can get for the Bills. Do you agree with that or no? No, because that, I feel like this always happens. Whenever a team goes 0-1, they always say the next week it's a big game. It is a big game. You it's always a big game. We probably thought it was a big game in, in 2000, like in 20. 20- 
I don't know, 2015 or 14. Well, it's not the NBA, dude. You don't get 82 games. 0-2 is big. Well, you get 17 now. Look, I agree. They they shouldn't go 0-2, but I don't think the season ends if they're 0-2, okay? But I I do – again, I I do think this is a very good game for them. They're going against Miami. They have scored a bazillion points against Miami in Josh Allen's career. It's been – he's been great. So I'm pretty confident. I think they're going to beat Miami. I, I think the offense will get back on track. It will, and everyone, and Bill's Twitter will be happy, and you know, your boy Aaron Quinn will be able to sleep better, and uh, Bruce Exclusive will be happy as well, and so will you, and so will me. I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna pull it out next week. <laughs> I love how you single out some people there. I, I gotta take a dump on your on your other guests. You know, <laughs> the only the only person that has has immunity is Joe Yurden. Everyone else, it's fair game. I'm gonna make fun of all of you if you go on this podcast. <laughs> So. All right. Well, let, let's end here and we'll, we'll go. We will. Yeah, let's do it, man. The vaccination policy, it was announced today. I, I'm, I'm kind of stumbling through this and laughing in my mind as I'm asking you this because I know how fucking rhetorical. <laughs> I know how rhetorical this question is that I'm asking you. But again, to recap, both the Buffalo Bills and the Buffalo Sabres, if you're going to go to the stadium or you're going to the arena, I'm clapping. You have to be vaccinated. Um, no ifs, ands, and buts. There's no mask, no, no pre-testing, testing negative, none of that. Starting September 26th, which is the Bills' next home game against Washington, you have to, uh, you have to be fully vaccinated. Obviously, as you would expect, a very mixed bag initially reactions on social media. I, again, <laughs> I say this in the most rhetorical way possible, but I want to get your thoughts on it. Good. It's good. I mean, if you want me to question some of it, it's why now? Why didn't they do this three weeks ago? I don't know if it has to do with, you know, what, like, they were videos of, like, originally, what, what was the, the, the rules of the first game where you had to wear a mask around the concourse, basically. And then, like, when you were on, when you were watching the game on the field or whatever in your, in your seat, you, did, you, were, you, you could be maskless. And if you saw a bunch of videos, you saw a bunch of people weren't wearing masks in the concourse area. So I don't know if maybe they all of a sudden were like, oh, this 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 honor policy is not working. We're not enforcing it. We don't have enough manpower. Or maybe security doesn't want to enforce it. You know, they decide, okay, we got to do it now. Or, you know, there's other rules. I I'm, My fiance works in HR, and she talks about how, like, the this recently, like, the HEROES Act, which was signed back in the early part of the summer, which was about, like, having like a work pay, a workplace that was going to be COVID COVID compliant or basically not an issue for you. I guess recently they, they mentioned COVID into that whole thing. So maybe it's a legality thing. They don't want to get sued. If you go to a bills game, you get COVID from them and then you can like sue the team because, Hey, you didn't provide a good environment for me. Cause you know, J- Jack asked next to me, he had COVID or whatever the case may be. So with all that being said and the, and, and the humanity front, Yes, it's good. Okay, I don't want to, go, you know, going to a Bills game during COVID with everyone that's like half the crowd may, ha- may not have the vaccine. And, you know, I don't know what the Erie County numbers are. I'm sure you can Google it now and find out. But, you know, it's it, it, it should be that way. A lot of sports teams are doing that. If you, if you, in you know, these cases are not going down. They're not. We talked about this with when I was with you and Yurden. And we talked about how the variant was, you know, people not getting vaccinations is the reason why the variant has like spread basically. Yeah. So <clears throat> I'm for it. I mean, obviously, you know that, but, you know, I, I, I don't know how how you can't be really, you know, you know and that's, I think it's safe for me. I'm 
I'm supposed to go allegedly, you know, for my bachelor party festivities. I'm, I want. I told everyone, I'm like, look, I, I, I just want to go to a Bills game. That's all I want to go to. And I, I nothing crazy. I, you know, I don't need strippers or anything like that shit. But I just want to go to one. And like, part of it was like, I, I was worried. Like, God, I gotta go here. And then, I, I, how many of these people are gonna be not vaccinated? Like, I had. Sorry, but I have this stereotype of Orchard Park is like the Fox News wormhole of like crazy QAnon people who aren't going to like get their vaccines. It's not like, and then look, it's a lot of people there. It's 70,000 in a damn freaking bowl with people pissing in the sinks. Like, you know, it's not going to be like the most like, you know, sanitary, you know, san- you know, it's going to be uh, dirty and disgusting. Like, and then like, I got to worry about this. So I think it's a good rule. And like, sorry for those who like are, are stupid and don't want to get the shot, but like they should. That's it. I, I'm fine. And look, at the end of the day, it's their business. It's it's a it's a, it's a, it's, it's if you are an owner and you're like, hey, I'm you know you you they elect you to you got to get a shot, and you know that's what the county and that's what the bills are doing. You know, and I you know it's good. Sorry, people. You know, stay home, eat your blue cheese, listen to the podcast if you want. I I am not surprised. I mean, I anticipated this in the early spring. My son got vaccinated. My son's 18 years old. I would have gotten vaccinated anyway because I have health concerns. And my son got vaccinated in March because I had every expectation when he's going to be playing college football that to go on campus and to play football and to go to watch games, you're going to have to be vaccinated. So nothing about this surprises me at all. One last question, then I'll let you go. So whether you like the rule or whether you don't like the rule, it's the rule and they have every right to make the rule. It's a private business, period, end of story. But what I will ask you is this, A, do you think or how much of an effect do you think it might have on attendance? Because there are certainly going to be some unvaccinated people who are going to be like, well, you just lost a fan or, you know, yada, yada, yada. That's what they're going to do. They're not going, they're not going to get vaccinated. They're not going to go to the game. What do you think that it will have a significant effect on attendance in two? There will be some, like what effect do you think it might have on some people out there who right now are not vaccinated? Because there's not a lot, but there are some people who might not be vaccinated right now, but it's not so much that they're anti-vax. It's just that they haven't done it for whatever reason, or they've been unsure. Some people, this might affect, if you're a diehard Bills fan, you got season tickets, there's probably going to be at least some people who are going to be taking their ass to CVS or, or Wegmans or wherever they got to go tomorrow or in the next day and start the vaccination process. So do you think it's going to have a bigger pack? on attendance and people not going? And do you think there's going to be a significant amount of people who are not currently vaccinated that this is going to make them get vaccinated? I don't think the latter will happen with the the, the unvaccinated people all of a sudden saying, okay, I'm going to get vaccinated. I don't think it's going to happen. If you have not gotten the vaccination by now, I mean, I look, maybe your love for the bills will push you through. Who knows? I think though, those who give up tickets, guess what? They're going to get scooped up by people who have the vaccine, who don't have season tickets. Because right now, Pat, those tickets are super expensive right now to get on StubHub. And I think people who have to give them up, people are, people who have the, the shot are going to want to take those tickets now because they're available. So, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be – I think you're still going to have 70,000 people every game for this year – and like those who have to give up the seats, like yeah, the bills will say, okay, we have tickets available here at the ticket office, or they can just you know put them on StubHub and sell them to someone who has a vaccine, 
and it's going to get gobbled up quickly. I don't think it's going to be that big of a tennis. What about you? Do you think – I want to hear your thoughts. Like, I gave you my hot takes. Do you do you agree with this decision? Um, Yeah, I do. I, you know, I – What's this trepidation? You got trepidation. What do you – Well, you because you it's not quite my, – my, my opinion towards people who are not vaccinated isn't as strong as yours. But I, when it comes to this case, yeah, I do. I think you should have to be vaccinated. I, I think the NFL, I think the county, whatever, whoever is ultimately making that decision, I think they have the right to. I really don't think it should be a debate either. I know it is, but I don't even think it should be a debate. If you don't like the policy, get a shot or don't go to the game. You don't have to go. Stay home. Watch it at home. Watch it at a bar. Watch it at your buddy's house. Hate the world. Blame everything in the world if you want. I get it. But yeah, man. It, it, Sell me your tickets, okay? I'll buy them. Everybody, and this is my personal preference, everybody should be vaccinated. I just, I know there's been reported, again, I'm no expert. And this is why I don't like talking about it because I don't like getting in the territory where I don't know what I'm talking about. But I do know this. I know that there's some cases out there of reported, you know, side effects. I know some people, not some people, a lot of people are vaccinated and still getting COVID. And I know in some rare cases, some people are even still dying who are vaccinated, who got COVID. But the math, the numbers to me from what limited amount of shit I know says that it's vastly less. So to walk in there and get a little prick in your arm and you're sore, you don't feel good for a day or two. And maybe, I don't know, one tenth of 1% have some kind of more significant side effect. The math to me tells me Get the fucking shot or don't go to the football game, man. Watch it at home. Let me ask you this. Um, you have a, I, I don't know. I feel like you have more connections in Buffalo than I do. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm just talking about like, I know it's going to sound weird. Like Facebook friends. You're, I think most of your Facebook friends are probably in Buffalo. Mine are mostly New York city. A couple of there. Like, yeah, I'd say so. Do you, I mean, see, do you have a lot of anti-vaxxers? Yes. Like you see, cause you see, that's the weird thing. Like I don't see many, because look, Twitter, if there's bots, you know, who in the hell knows? But like on my Facebook feed, I don't really I haven't seen many people like and I'm not on Facebook all the time, but I haven't seen many of like my friends who live there complain too much about it. But I, if think you're, it I think it's 50 50 from from my personal experience. I'd say mm-hmm. it's 50 50. I'd say about 50 percent of my my friends on Facebook are just people that I know in general speaking, not even beyond social media. I'd say maybe half of them are fully vaccinated and very pro-vaccination. I would say the other half are not necessarily. All right. So I have, I know personally some people who don't think that you should have to get the vaccination. I know some people who personally think that you shouldn't need to be vaccinated to go into the stadium, but yet these, some of these people are vaccinated, like they're vaccinated, but they don't believe that you should be forced to get the vaccination, if that makes any sense. So I'd say half my friends are definitely pro-vaccination who are vaccinated. I'd say half are don't want, don't think you should need to be vaccinated. But out of that 50%, I'd say probably half of that is people who are vaccinated, but don't think that, like, I would say half the people who are, think that this rule's bullshit, the NFL, the NHL, the rule, or not, or not, not I shouldn't say the NFL, the NHL. I should say Western New York, Key Bank, and, uh, Hi, Mark. I'd say half the people who think it's complete bullshit, there's a good chunk of them that are vaccinated, but they still think it's bullshit. I don't, but I think there's a lot like that. Yeah, it's, it's um, I don't know if I told you this. So for our wedding, which is going to be in December, 
18th, we're we're making everyone get the shot. If you don't get the COVID shot, you're not coming. Yeah. And I've I've had a couple people like on <laughs> of course they have Buffalo <laughs> Buffalo roots and they're like, "Yeah, I'm not coming." I'm like, all right, well, hey, I salute to you. But, uh, you know, I, I, I don't get it, man. I really don't. I mean, I'm so tired of this shit. Like, I'm so tired of just, like, it's just, it's just, I, I, I feel like people in general, like, need to, like, stop watching, like, so much news and so much, like, oh, I got to get my own research. Like, I, I'm constantly trying to find 100 articles, trying to, like, put the the spin on what you want, you know, with this thing, like just get the shot. Like it's, it would be one thing if it wasn't proven that, you know, that, Hey, when it was may and we didn't know if, if like you could spread it's FDA co- approved now. Yeah. It's FDA. But like, let me get to this point. Like when it was like may or April and maybe, and you didn't want to get a shot, but at the end of the day, I didn't know about the variant. Then fine. And enjoy like death. You idiots. But like now that we know that the variant is is is, is multiplying because people we just aren't getting herd immunity, that's where I'm like a dick to you to go. Hey, get your shot, man, because this you're at. We're gonna have it's gonna keep mutating, and we're gonna have the Delta variant, and then the U.S. Air variant, and then the other variants, and whatever variants there are because of this. And you know, it's 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 it's. it's I, I, I'm just sick of people yelling about the whole like. The government can't tell me what to do. It's not my right. The Constitution states this. Like, I don't think the Constitution, when it was written, had a pandemic in mind 20, you know, 300 years later. So it, it's just, it's frustrating. But look, I give credit to the, I, I give the Pagula shit all the time. I mean, that's half my feet is me taking a dump on them. But they did the right thing here, you know, and they, and whether it's, ins- it's because of insurance or whatever the case may be, this is what they should have done. I don't know why they waited this long, you know, for the reasons we laid out before, but it, it you got we have to get back to some sort of life where we we're not worried about getting people sick and I, the, the shot is the, is a key to it it's not going to change everything overnight unfortunately but it's going to help all of us yeah i i'll say this and and this will be the last thought with vaccinations i'm i'm vaccinated i think everybody should be vaccinated i do have respect for those who don't even though i don't agree with it i know you don't but i do no, they can eat but that. i will say this and this is the final thing on that I also don't have any sympathy. If you're a Bill season ticket holder, you're a Sabre season ticket holder, or you want to go to that Washington game in two weeks and you don't have your vaccination and you're not going to get it, then don't go to the game. I don't have any sympathy for you. So I don't know. That, that That's kind of where I want to leave it. Joe. Uh-huh. I'm, <laughs> I want to ask one, one more question before, because I always do this before you leave. I know you always do. That's why <laughs> I didn't even want, I don't want to drop your Twitter promo because I knew you were going to ask me something. Yeah. Else. Did you, just two things. One, did you have a did you have a podcast after the Bills game, or is this your your post podcast? This is this is the first one. I usually wow, have one on Tuesday. What happened? I'm, I'm usually, shocked. I, I've been I've been really busy. I got a lot of stuff going on right now, professionally uh, and personally. So I kind of had to that put some things career around. of yours. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to ask you because like you and I don't want to say you and I got into a tiff, but you 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 had things to say about people booing Beasley, even though I don't know if people booed Beasley. They weren't. It was B. So you think it was bees? I know it was. I, three or four people that I know very well who aren't even on social media told me that they weren't booing. They were saying bees. They weren't. Yeah, booing. I don't. I don't think. I don't think fans would be that. That go to that game would be. Would, look, you know me. I think Cole Beasley can go fuck himself. I I would not. If I was going to a Bills game, I would not boo him. I would. I would just be like, he gets the first down. I give you a golf clap. If, but if, if he's if coming out, I'm like, I'm like, whatever. I don't care. If you're going to boo him before the game, 
Boo him when he makes a catch. And no, no, that's what you you're phony. If you boo, if you're no, out there, that's if, you're at, if you're at bullshit. that stadium, if bullshit. you're at that stadium and you're booing him before the game, but then you're cheering when he scores a touchdown, you're a phony ass bitch. That's all I'm saying. No, man. that's crap. No, I look. I think he does two different things. You're booing the player while you're you're cheering the outcome of the Bills. Like it's it's in the betterment of the team if he gets a first down and then you can <laughs> cheer. That's what it's more about. But whatever. I was just curious. And right, uh, last the one, one last thing. We got one minute. I just want to say, um, I feel uh, the Fairburn and Mar- Marcel leaving. That that's a kick in the nuts, right? It is. I we I've talked about that on Uh-oh. the show last week with Joe pretty extensively. Yeah, it is. And real quick, and then, and then we're gonna get out of here. Don't worry, I gotta People go. Are, like wrap this shit up. I'll say this: Matt Fairburn and, and Marcel were both two really good beat reporters. I don't blame either of them when it comes to Matthew. That's where he's actually from. He's from that area. I think the decision for him might have been a little bit harder. When it comes to Marcel, look, your boy is not even 30 years old yet. He's single. He's good looking. He's uh, he's a bachelor. He's got Miami's a bigger market. He would have been foolish to not take that job and go to Miami. He's yeah. still climbing the ladder. And again, he's young. Now, if you're older, like if, if you're... I'm not that's I'm older than you. So if I call you old, then I'm really old. But you know, if you're your your age, my age, and you have a, a wife or you're it's trying to start a family, then leave it. Or especially if you do have a family, you got kids who are in the school in that community, then it becomes more about money and opportunity. Well it's well, a family decision. Well here's Marcel th- Marcel's a no-brainer to me. He would have been crazy to not go there. Well, here's the thing. You say you I think some people may have missed the point a little bit. I I, I have no inside knowledge of this from their contracts or whatever, but I do know when you go to a bigger market, you tend to make more money. Sure. So I, I don't know if like that's how it is. And like it doesn't and like I had a couple people who were like, Why would they leave? Like the bills are good all of a sudden, like they're more popular. Like that doesn't mean shit. Like it, yeah. it's still a small market. It's all about when you're the anchor or the news person in a bigger market, you make more money. It doesn't matter if that team sucks and no one cares about them, if it's a bigger city, you tend to get more money. And Boston and Miami are bigger markets. And I get I don't know if they got raises, but I'm assuming they probably did. Well, I I don't know that, but I will say this, man. When it comes to Matt Fairburn, he's been on the show twice. I like Matt a lot. I think he's a great reporter. Right. I've never had any I've never had any like relationship with him. Both times I've ever talked to him was, hey, we're about to tape the show. And we did over and done ah, with dude. Marcel. Marcel, I've talked to. I've had him on my show live. He's been on the show like four times. And two of those were sit down, have wings, casual conversations on the record, off the record, for, which I mean, it was it was, you know, this media people, other people knew. We, we knew Marcel was leaving before he announced it. I'm pretty sure you did. I definitely did. I also knew where he was going before he announced it. So. It wasn't like we were privy to this, this information, but I'll say this about Marcel, at least. I, so I, I was getting to the point where I can't speak for Matt, but I think I'm confident enough w- with Marcel that I could say this. A lot of media people, not just sports, just news people, weather people, they come through Buffalo as a stepping stone. They start out like a Utica or you know somewhere small. They go to a market like Buffalo, and then they hope to graduate someday ultimately to like you know, like Tampa or like New York City or or Miami or something like that. Marcel generally and genuinely liked Buffalo. He liked Buffalo a lot. He liked living here. He liked the culture. He loved the food. He liked the nightlife. Marcel really embraced Buffalo. 
Him, but him, again, him going to Miami, everything I put no, out. Here's the thing, it's though. It's a no-brainer for him. No, I agree. I agree. But you're, you're running out of people to put on your podcast path. I mean, I'll I, never run out of people. You're running out. I, you know, one day I, I know you don't like doing lists with the media. I want to know like the the, 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 the the Mount Rushmore of of the talking Buffalo media tour, like who you like on that top four that come on this podcast. Like it's got to be Yurden. It's got to be Capaccio. I'm probably missing a couple other people. I know who's not like, you know, <laughs> like who's not on that list, but like. Uh, you know, you, you we we need to get you more guests. I, I almost don't I, even I count like Joe. I almost count. I almost consider Joe Yurden a co-host now because he does yes. every Friday. He's he not even heard. really a guest now. He's like my Friday, casual Friday co-host. Well, I'll think about that next time I have you on. I'm gonna come up with that. I'll come up with my Mount Rushmore of favorite podcasting guests. Yeah, you gotta do that, and you and you gotta run with that idea. I told you with with Yurden, you gotta go to breweries and have him like taste, make you taste craft beer. That's yeah, that's your new that's your new (laughs) thing that other people can steal about. Well, I can tell you, who's not gonna be on the Mount Rushmore? That's you, me. Oh yeah, I don't. I do like you though, man. I do like you. I'm shocked. I, I'm shocked you had me on. I was like, I, I, I thought you were gonna call me until January. With I'll like, say this. I'm gonna say one last thing. When you were on a couple of weeks ago when we did the show at Casey's, I told Yurden beforehand because like your stances on Twitter are like really strong. And between the COVID stuff, which I, I'm kind of on the same page with you, but your opinion towards Bill's Twitter and Bill's fans and stuff like that. I expected and anticipated us to be combative during that taping at Casey's. That never materialized because, and I talked about this last week with Yurden on the podcast, actually. I said, when Joe has only 280 characters max to tweet out something, it comes across as really combative and uh, everybody wants to kill him or vice versa. But when you have an opportunity to talk and give context to what you're saying, like you did at Casey's a couple of weeks ago, it makes a lot more sense. So when you have an opportunity to provide more context, it your your points become much more valid. I'll give you, that's me giving you credit, by the way. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, I, I think we got to go because it's getting dark in this room and you can probably see like a shadow now and that's it that I'm in. All right, boys and girls, that is going to do it for another episode. Big shout out my man, Joe from Queens. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Buffalo Winds. Always a good time when I have Joe on the podcast. Thank you very much. Guys, girls, if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, stop messing around. Please go ahead. Do that right now. Subscribe, read and review. All that stuff really, truly helps me continue to grow this little podcast of mine. If you're not following me on Twitter, do that. App at Moran Tweets. I'm constantly on Twitter um, promoting upcoming podcasts, guests, polls, promos, uh, sports talk, pop culture talk, you name it. I am parked on Twitter. My ass is there all the time. At Pat Moran tweets on Twitter. Thank you very, very, very much for listening. I say it all the time. I mean it. So many great shows out there. So many to choose from. So when you're locked into this one for whatever amount of period that you're locked in, does it go lost on me, man? I truly appreciate each and every single one of you. Thank you very much. Have a good one. I'll be back. Casual Friday coming up with my man, Joe Yurden. Talk to you Friday. <laughs>